Today's episode is brought to you by Cameo. If your organization is looking to adopt Chromebooks, but you need to give your people seamless access to all their apps, including Windows apps, Cameo is the simplest and most secure and most cost-effective way to deliver all the apps your people need to be productive on Chrome OS. Cameo is a Chrome Enterprise recommended virtualization solution and is deeply integrated with Chrome OS and the Google Admin Console, making it easy for you to push any app as a PWA to your Chromebooks. And now you can take advantage of a special Chrome OS and Cameo bundle that makes it easier than ever to test. If you're interested, you can head over to cameo.com forward slash unbox. That's C-A-M-E-Y-O dot com slash unbox or click the link down in the show notes. This episode is brought to you by the official coffee of the Chromecast podcast, Fresh Roasted Coffee, who we've partnered with to make a special edition Chrome Unboxed anniversary blend. Here at Chrome Unboxed, we're not just nerdy about Chromebooks, we're also coffee snobs. And look, we wasted a lot of time hand roasting coffee before we found Fresh Roasted Coffee, and we haven't looked back since. This coffee is roasted fresh to order, immediately packaged, nitrogen flushed and shipped directly to your door. And although we can't officially say that this Chrome Unbox Edition tastes any better than the normal anniversary blend, that is the word around town. But don't just take our word for it. Pick up a bag for yourself and let us know what you think. You can grab a bag over at chromeunbox.com forward slash coffee. Welcome to the Chromecast, the official podcast from Chrome Unbox, where we unpack everything from hardware to software in the world of Chrome and Chrome OS so that you can be more informed on all the latest updates, changes, and devices. This week we talked through some new hardware changes, both current uh, and upcoming, some Google Home fixes and new services, some great deals out there, flagship Chromebook versus videos, and so much more. If you've been following along uh, with Chrome Unboxed on the web and on YouTube, you might have seen us do a couple comparison videos here recently, um, all of which are uh, pitting the Google Pixelbook against other Chromebooks, right, basically, right? right? So um, let's talk about this. We, we, we put it up against the Asus C302 and the Samsung Chromebook Pro. Correct. And what did, we, what did we find out? Well, we wanted to specifically do those two devices because they're similar uh, with their internals. Um, now, there's there's quite a few things that are different about both of them, especially in relation to the Pixelbook. But overall, we wanted to uh, use both of those two in, in different videos, not all three at the same time, so that people could look and say, okay, um, I'm considering a Pixelbook, but there's these other Chromebooks that are like half the price. And especially with some of the deals that were happening around the times of the videos, I mean, the the... Samsung Chromebook Pro was four fifty. The Asus was three ninety nine. Yeah, and they fluctuate, and they they'll continue to because they're almost a year old. Both of them. So, uh, well, in idea anyway, we we saw the Pro at CES last year. But the idea was people have been asking about both of these devices, and so we did the Samsung first. We had one um, and put it against the Pixelbook because those are the most similar. So they share a similar screen. Uh, probably we think it's the same screen panel. Um, they both have pens and pen input and so all the new stuff that's happening around pen input on Chrome OS is centered around those two devices um, they both have that 3 by 2 aspect ratio so there's a lot of stuff in common they're both convertibles they're both getting a lot of the newest stuff um, and we're going to talk about uh, another another feature in, in a few minutes that they both have so those two share probably the most similarities so that was the clear-cut uh, 
uh, winner as far as you know having a, a versus video um, and basically if you haven't watched the video you know either one of these videos I would say you know hop over to the YouTube page so youtube.com forward slash chrome unboxed you can go to chromeunbox.com and just look under click reviews at the top you can find it there too and you can watch the whole video because they're lengthy and we really go into depth about what's different between the two and why one's better than the other and you know spoiler alert I don't think this surprises anyone the Pixelbook's better than both of those other two devices mm -hmm. uh, and, and you know that's not shocking and you know um, Gabriel's used the the Pixelbook. Um, I operate from it on a daily basis, and Joe has spent some time with the Pixelbook and and some of these other devices. So I'll give you all a second to uh, maybe comment on these things. But like I said, you can you can watch the videos in full and really get the in depth stuff. Uh, I, there's no way I could do that justice here. But you know, do know that even though the Pixelbook is at times twice as much uh, as either one of those two Chromebooks, the ASUS Flip C302 or the ProBook Pro from Samsung, it is a lot better at just about everything than both of those devices. But that that was just kind of my takeaway from it. Right, and and for me, it's uh, I agree with Robbie wholeheartedly. The Pixelbook is the best of the best. It is it is a beautiful device. The hardware is built just phenomenally. The internals are the best you can get on the market. Uh, but it's a matter of what you're in the market for. If you want the best of the best, then that's what you need to buy. Myself, I love the ASUS C302. I have since we took, uh, and we had a pre-order model we took to CES with us beginning of this year, last yeah. year, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I love it. I love everything about it. There are some things that it are it's missing, but it's a great device. I love the feel of it. I love the look of it, the build quality. If I had my choice and you were going to give me one then yeah i'd take the pixel book but if i'm going to go out and buy a device that will meet my needs and i really enjoy using then it's the asus right. the samsung is the same way if you like that type of device and you are you know a lot of people like the rounded edges of the samsung i don't like it the pixel books the other end of the spectrum it's razor edge you know 90 degree right. angles and the asus kind of strikes a balance in between and uh, it's just a matter of what you like or whether or not you're the type of person that wants the best on the market, so. Yeah, and one thing I'll point out, in the review, you know, Robbie mentioned multiple times, both of these devices are really good. Right, When right. we were talking about the C302 and, and the Pro, like, we would go through the screen and be like, yeah, you know, the Pixelbook's better, but man, they're both just really good. And, right. In, you know, you kept coming back to that. So, so Gabe, you know, you're right. It really just boils down to, you know, what your situation is and what exactly you need the device for. Um, but yeah, so, you know, if you all haven't seen those um, videos uh, or, or read those reviews on the website, uh, they're, they're lengthy. They're like 20, 20 plus minutes long. So we go into yeah. some details. So if you're interested in, in getting all of those details, um, please, please find that there. Um, moving on, we've got uh, some new developments with uh, uh, dictation on a Chromebook. Yeah, uh, we um, have come across some stuff, and uh, again, uh, I, I do want to stress, most of the stuff we're going to talk about, you can find more about it at chromeunbox.com if you want to read more details about some of this stuff, because we're going to get into a bunch of things in this podcast. Uh, but in general, uh, there's clear signs that dictation is coming to the OS at an OS level, which is pretty awesome. So right now, there's a workaround for it. If you have a convertible uh, device, you can actually flip it uh, into... Uh, convertible mode, and I think there's a flag even too, isn't there? Yeah, that you can 
turn it where you can get those options. I don't know. Yeah, basically, you can force tablet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it basically rests in the virtual keyboard. You can go to pen input or you can hit a microphone there. So that's kind of a workaround for it. But the idea being there is a, a keyboard uh, shortcut uh, that will be enabled and basically throughout the entire OS anywhere there's a text field you can put your text cursor in there hit that shortcut and start talking and I don't know you know if you're listening to this and going man that doesn't sound very useful uh, you should try it on your phone from time to time uh, anywhere there's a text field you can bring up your keyboard hit that mic and speak whatever it is and you can speak punctuation into it too so if you're replying to an email that needs punctuation it's not just a text message or a something in an allo or hangout or something like that um, you know you can speak all that punctuation in and once you kind of get used to it you can do it quickly and I can do that a whole lot quicker mm-hmm. than I can type right. so um, I'm I'm super excited about that coming to Chrome OS yeah, yeah it's, it's a cool little it's it's a cool little tweak right it's it, a cool it little is, extra feature and I think it's one of those things that some people will just latch on to uh, for me I love it I use it on my phone all the time but mm-hmm. there are other features one in particular that comes to mind is swipe keyboard I never use swipe keyboard I've never used it I it's almost a refusal to use it. I just, I don't like it and mm-hmm. I don't use it. Mm-hmm. But the speech dictation, I use it on my phone as often as I can. And I think people that are accustomed to using it on their mobile device will find a use for it on their Chromebook, especially when you talk about things like emails and replying to messages like Robbie mentioned. It's, uh, it's just a very handy tool. Yeah. I just, I want to get to the point where dictation, like, they can add in the punctuation for us without oh, me having to. Man. So, Robbie, or text Robbie, Robbie, I am almost there, comma. <laughs> yeah. I will be there in 15 minutes, period. Yeah, it, yeah. and you would think machine learning, you know, Google's investing all this money into sure, AI right. and stuff, like, that's got to be coming, right? There's yeah, got to be well, a time where you can hear the inflection, the rise in your voice, and know, or hear you getting excited about something and put an exclamation point. You know? Yeah, exactly. But, yeah. You know, it would fix a lot of people's grammar. Grammarly That's does true. it to a degree. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Man, it figures yeah. that stuff out. If you could just like speak it and it would like properly punctuate exactly. it. Exactly. That would yeah. be pretty amazing. Well, and on a Chromebook, like you said, like replying to an email mm-hmm. and being able to just speak and it oh dictate gosh. it perfectly with, yeah. with proper punctuation. Yeah, that would be incredible. Um, but anywho, one day, right? Maybe. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> if anybody at Google's listening, yeah, please with, uh, work Dragon. on that. Dragon does a very good job. Sure. Oh, there you go. Sure. sure. They just buy them. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, one other cool thing uh, we've seen is Netflix being offered up uh, for six months uh, with a couple uh, with with the purchase of a couple new Chromebooks. Yeah, yeah. They uh, and this just kind of came out of the blue. Uh, Netflix has kind of been a big deal since the launch of the Chromebook. That was one of the the key points at the announcement was that one of the purposes of the large storage on the Pixelbook is so you can download your movies on the go. Uh, and with the Android version of Netflix, you can do that. Uh, but just popped up on the uh, Chrome Offers page a week or two ago. If you've purchased a Samsung Chromebook Pro or Plus or a Google Pixelbook, you can head to uh, what is it? Google.com/slash/Chromebook/slash/offers, and you can redeem six months free of Netflix. So pretty good deal. Well, yeah, it's a great deal, and it's cool just to see Netflix partnering uh, and doing things like this. Mm-hmm. You know, they've they've done a couple of these things, you know, already. You know, the the AR stickers with Stranger Things. Yeah. You know, that's a, that's that's a Netflix original that we're seeing on you know 
the uh, Pixel 2 uh, in, the, in the camera app. Which, just, if you haven't tried, say, can we, can we let's pause? just geek out on that let's for, talk a about it for a second. <laughs> oh my god. If you haven't played with AR stickers on a Pixel 2 or Pixel 2 XL, find someone who has it. I haven't gotten my 8.1 update yet. I'm being punished. because <laughs> I, I did. I returned my <laughs> original Pixel 2 because huh. that's what I do. Um, <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> yeah. It's a long story. We can do a whole podcast about that story. But... I believe Google is punishing me and holding out my 8.1. Yeah. And I wouldn't care other than I want the visual core for my camera and I want these AR stickers because we've got uh, someone in the office. Now we have two in the office that have the AR stickers and the Star Wars stickers are amazing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so amazing. If, if you haven't done it, it might be worth buying a Pixel 2 <laughs> just for those. I mean, it's that cool. It uh, is. <laughs> just a long story short, we had uh, probably one of the most intelligent people I know in the office today is a, is a developer and uh, a co-worker was, who has the Pixel 2 and has the stickers was in line at the coffee shop today and dropped three stormtroopers in line in front of him, took a little movie and they, these things are ultra realistic. I mean, you can move around them in 3D space. But he took a video, a quick video of it and sent it to us and we all had a good laugh. Well, he was showing that to this developer today and he had been in the coffee shop prior and his response was, I was just down there. How did I miss those guys? And he thought there were actual people like dressed in up. cosplay yeah. down at Vibe at the coffee shop. And, and this dude is not some dummy. This dude's smart, like really, really smart. And it totally fooled him. It was that realistic. And so, I, again, if you haven't messed with them, my God, yeah. go and, and mess with AR stickers. It's really, it's just, it's, just, it's just cool stuff, man. Speaking of other cool stuff that, that Google's <laughs> doing, uh, we've got Santa. Uh, we're, we're, we're recording this park podcast just a, uh, gosh, a week or two before Christmas. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, so with that, Google's uh, bringing Santa to Google Home. Yeah, so there's the Santa Tracker, which I haven't really messed with this year much at yeah, all. Yeah, they've, they've done some done really that. cool updates. There's some Guitar Hero kind of stuff on it, and I, we'll, we'll be publishing that later this week. But uh, the Santa Tracker has Santa's Village, and every day there's new games to play and everything. Oh, and yeah. it, It's really neat. But yeah, the, the addition to Google Home, which I think you've fiddled with it a little bit. Yeah, we've played with it quite a bit. The kids It's really, pretty fun. Yeah, they love it. It's uh, it's You just say, you know, <laughs> okay... I'm not going to set off all your things, so I'm just going to say G, okay, G, uh, call Santa, and it will, like, it'll mimic, you know, the dial tones and all that stuff, and there's all this banter from the elves that answer the phone, put you on hold, and and every time we've, we've done it, it's been different banter in the background, and, you know, and then Santa picks up, and he's trying, they, they know one song, and they're trying to decide what style they want to do the song in, and so they ask you a series of oddball questions, and based on the answers to your, to those questions that you provide, they, they put the song together and then play it for you. And then each time you call, it ends up being a different type, a version of the song, uh, a different version of the questions, different banter, and the kids just love it. Like, I, they think it's just really cool. And my kids just happen to be the age that, you know, they're still really into Santa. And, you know, and so it's that's just been really neat to, to see Google Home, Google Assistant, because you can do this from your phone too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so if you have anything with Google Assistant on, you can call Santa. And it's, it's interactive and it's cool, <laughs> but it's just different. It's not yeah. just... What's the weather? 
you know, what's six times six? What's, you know, and if you don't know that, man, you need to work on your math. <laughs> um, 42, uh, Doug. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> 77. <laughs> it's 77, clearly. Um, but, yeah, if, uh, you know, it, those things are cool. And, and I love that Google Home and Google Assistant does all the, you know, the, the trivial stuff. And, you know, specifically, like, trivia questions and, you know, making phone calls. And the practical stuff's cool. But to see games coming along and to see partners like Disney coming along and, and, and making things specifically for voice activated uh, entertainment stuff. Yeah. Uh, I think that's cool. And we talked before in these podcasts about those experiments. And I think we're already starting to see like people go, Ooh, yeah, yeah why not try this? Because what's it cost me? Nothing really. So, well, and, and to me, it's just, it's Google being out there and, and providing just, you know, cool stuff for users mm-hmm. to be able to do it's it's right. not like you know here on chrome unbox we're always talking all the technical and all the cool <laughs> right, stuff right. and like the very uh, in the weed stuff but you know they're also out there doing cool stuff like this that you can sit and just have fun with your kids you yeah. know and they're spending time on this it's yeah, not like right. they just built this in a day or something no no it's very um, well done you know and so it's just that's just cool stuff that they're it working is. on um kind of on the uh google home uh and and some of the assistant stuff that we've been talking about. Uh, Home Mini has has finally got a fix. And if you all didn't listen to our, th- I think that was our first podcast, was it not? Where we were talking about the Home Mini, uh, basically. Well, f- yeah, the first one would have been at Google. So okay, no, so the second one, yeah. second one, yeah. yeah. So, you know, Google Home having an issue. Well, now they've come out and, and they've got a fix for it, right? Yeah, it's not, I don't know if it's rolled out yet. I don't think, like, my device at home hasn't gotten in. Have you tried it on your mm-hmm. one? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's in the, uh, uh, what is it called? It's not developer preview. It's the... Uh, yeah, they have uh, a preview program. Yeah, that's... It's, it's sort of, it's... It's like Chromecast. You get the update a little bit early. Yeah, it's, it's kind it's of a, a beta, but not really. Yeah. yeah. So they're, you're testing final hardware, or final software, basically, is how it works. Um and it, so those people have it. Uh, so that means you know within a week or so everybody should see it. Uh, and it's it's a quick fix, and it needed to happen. Um, I've written an article saying basically Google needed to just recall the thing and, and put out proper ones. Well, they didn't listen to me and didn't do that, and so a little shocked. No, <laughs> um, but uh, maybe that's why I haven't gotten my eight that's one it? update. They're like, screw you, buddy. Yeah. We're gonna teach you a lesson, Robbie yeah, Payne. Shut up. Chrome unbox. <laughs> but and so the the problem was, we'll recap real quick. The top button just didn't work. The top surface area, and so they have this like special cloth. Like during the the presentation of the device, when they brought it up on stage, they made a big deal about the cloth. Absolutely. Like oh, yeah. it was, the we made went cloth into like it. from scratch, you know, and 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 so that light can come through it and sound can come through it, and you can touch it and blah 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 and all this kind of stuff. Well, apparently that. Hopefully that's not going to affect the Macs. I'm assuming it's the same cloth, but some, somehow the way that they put it together, it was obviously triggering um, uh, the voice recognition yeah. for hours at a time and just recording people. And so obviously that's not cool. So in order to fix it quickly, they turned off that top touch area. Well, they never turned it back on. And so apparently it means they couldn't find a way to fix the hardware. So instead of uh, reissuing new ones, they left it off for a while. Now there's workaround where you could hold down either volume button on either side of the device and that acts as your play pause button. So it's not as good. It isn't. I mean, I still use that that top touch button area on my regular Google Home and I would assume if I had a Google Home Max, um, I would do the same. But 
at least they've done something to remedy the situation. Yeah. Right. And it kind of at least fixes it for now until yeah. next year comes and they yeah, put it Yeah, because I, th- I think the only place it really becomes a nuisance because, I mean, if you're close to it and you want to pause it, long press on the sides, that, that's not a big deal. But I think where it, where it becomes a nuisance is uh, the top touch bun- button was uh, worked as a snooze as well. Yeah. If you happen to use it as a as an alarm, and that's uh, that's kind of disappointing that you can't do that. And it may work for that. It may work with I, I the long know. press, but yeah. when I wake up at 5.45 in the morning, Finding the I want to smack ah, my Google Dang it, where's it at? long press. And then the long press for the assistant button. That, that I guess that will never happen. I don't think that's going to yeah. work. Because uh, it never worked on mine because they nerfed it before I ever got the update. So Yeah. yeah. Speaking of, of uh, Google Home <clears throat> Max... Uh, you mentioned it a second ago, uh, but it's out, right? So we've yeah. got this. We've yep, got yep. this jumbo, this yeah. jumbo Google Home now. It's huge. <laughs> um, and it's I, huge. you know, none of us got our chance because we were so enamored with Pixelbook, and we didn't have like, you know, six or eight hours at at the the Google event to really check everything out. I mean, I I, I remember picking up a Pixel Two for what five minutes, maybe, yeah, maybe, yeah. Um, and so. The, the time was really spent on Pixelbook, and so I didn't even get to listen. So I have not heard uh, Home Max yet. But the claims for what it, it's going to be capable of are lofty and really interesting. And um, I, I haven't seen anybody even drop a review yet. Have you? Like, I don't think there are any seen, official yeah, reviews. I've seen some hands-on, like, initial bo- unboxing, but no, no actual reviews. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the only thing I've seen is uh, MKBHD snapped. You know, a couple shots where he was listening to it and cranking it up, and you know, he just gave it a thumbs up. And so, the shtick with Google Home Max is it's everything about Google Home you like, plus a premium right. speaker. And we're not talking like, oh, it sounds good. Like they're they're touting it like it's going to sound amazing. And it's yeah. it has six microphones uh, on it that are constantly sensing the room. And so their their video that they talk about is okay. Uh, every wall every surface you have reflects bass and so eventually it muddies up sound and so google home max can listen to those reverberations adjust adjust to the room and the music you're playing and so it's auto eq'd all the time to sound great and what they said on stage is it will do that within about 30 seconds mm-hmm. so if you pick it up and take it outside it's going to change pick it up take it back inside take it to another room it'll auto adjust on the fly using those microphones and machine learning and that's if I can pause here, like I don't want to spend too much time on this, but this was, or this is probably one of the coolest things about what Google is doing right now. And I mentioned earlier about the fact that I returned my Pixel to XL because I was spooked about the screen. I've returned to it, I bought it again. And the reason why is mainly the camera in the thing is, is so good, it's so far in front of everything else that's out there and I love the camera. But what makes the camera good is what excites me. Sure, it's probably got really good hardware, but there's probably other cameras that have either better or just as good hardware in them at a, at a cheaper price. It's not the hardware that's doing the work. It's the software. It's machine learning. It's, it's you know, scary as AI sounds. It's, it's those types of things that are making the camera better <clears throat> as time goes on. So I fully expect, just like I do kind of with my Chromebook, that in six months from now, it's, it's going be to be a better camera. Yeah, absolutely. Like what, that, that doesn't exist anywhere else. And so like, that should apply with the Google Home Max, right? I mean, that same idea that you're using machine learning with hardware, you're going to get a product that actually is going to improve over time. Like when you get the Google Home Max out, set it in room A and play it, and it sounds an 8 out of 10, there's a good chance in a few months it's going to get smarter and it'll be a 9 out of 10. And 
maybe it'll sound perfect in six months or eight months. And like, that's bewildering to me. That's amazing. Uh, and, and I think that's at the core of what Google's trying to do right now, saying, hey, we want to take AI, machine learning, mix it with good hardware that is optimized to use it, and then do really cool stuff with it. And you see it in Chromebooks, you see it in their phones, and now you're seeing it in their speakers and stuff too. So very, very cool stuff and stuff to get excited about. Well, just looking at the breakdown here, we're in luck. It looks like the uh, the touch functions aren't on the fabric. So oh, there you go. So there we go. go. <laughs> Learn their lesson quick. Huh? Yeah. Hopefully, we'll get a we'll get a Google Home Max yeah, uh, here in the office. We're uh, slated for a review. So so we'll yeah. we'll uh, you know tune in for that. We'll 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 have some thoughts on it. Hopefully. So, um, but speaking of other kind of Google products out there that are improving, um, we've got uh, Allo. Um, which is a, a messaging app that we use quite frequently um, mm -hmm. for work conversations, for just fun group conversations. Um, you know, it's kind of replaced Hangouts for us. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I don't, I don't know that I really ever send Robbie or Gabe an actual text message because we just do everything no. in Allo now. Um, but Allo now has, uh, or, or is slated to have, uh, multi-device support um, where you could actually install the actual app on, on multiple devices. Is that right? Mm -hmm. Right, and and the and that's been one of one of the few complaints about Allo from the people that are using it is that uh, if you're not familiar with it, they launched a web app a few months ago where you can go to allo.com/web, I think, and you can sync it with the Allo app on your phone. It pops up a QR code, you sync it, and now you have Allo desktop messaging. The caveat is you can only use it on one device at a time. So you have it on your phone. I have it on my Chromebook. I flip over to another Chromebook or whatever device I'm using, it will prompt me that I'm logged in on another device and ask me mm -hmm. if I want to switch. Uh, and I mean, it's not, to me, it's not a big deal. Robbie and I have discussed this. It's not a big deal. We have a dozen Chromebooks floating around the office and we switch all the time. It's not that big of a deal to switch, but some people want to install an app on their mm -hmm. device and that's understandable. And, and as more non-Chrome OS users uh, might start moving towards Allo, then they're going to want something like that, and they don't want to have to mess with switching back and forth. So this could offer up the ability to link it. I think how's it going to work? Is it going to link to your actual Google account as yeah, opposed so, to? Yeah, I think, and that's the other big part of this is that now they're actually going to integrate Google account. So similar to how you would have signed into Hangouts or any other, you know, well, I don't want to say any other because they all handle things differently. So. Allo is taking more of a WhatsApp uh, approach to a messenger uh, versus uh, the, the way Hangouts worked. And so Hangouts, you could not use without a Google account. And so uh, it looks like it's probably going to be uh, uh, toe in the line between the two. Mm -hmm. So it, you'll probably be able to add your Google account if you choose. So you'll, you'll still use your phone number as your primary way that people get in hold of you, but you'll also possibly be able to just choose to add the, the Google account. It didn't sound like they're going to force you to use it. And I, I can't imagine they would change course that much and, and move it to it. But the benefit is most people that are using Allo are probably going to be Google people anyway. So um, if you use Allo at all, you know that when somebody might get added to a chat or something that only uses it with their phone, and it just if you don't have that person's phone number in your contacts, their name's not in there. It's just they're a phone number. Uh, and and their name will be like in a parenthesis or something, but you know it doesn't pull in their full like contact info yeah. that you're used to seeing. So there's a lot of benefit to all that stuff, uh, if and why well, I should say when it all actually arrives. And, and Gabe, you just mentioned web app. Uh, you know, you were talking about how uh, 
they had released this web app version of Allo mm-hmm. where you could go and scan. Um, but we've we've also got some other developments with web apps, right? So yeah. um, you know, progressive web apps are are coming along, right? They're they're getting there, but we've got some new developments. Yeah, right? yeah, and it's I mean it's it's been a long time coming with Google and other partners pushing this. Uh, but just this week, uh, Google did follow through with what they had planned, and they've shut down the Chrome web store for Microsoft for desktops that are not Chrome OS. Well, uh, specifically, just the the web app web, portion. Web so. app portion. So extensions will continue yeah. to exist, uh, but the web app portion, uh, which <clears throat> give or take, web apps are essentially just gussied up versions of a of a web browser or something working inside a web browser uh, if you do use Chromebooks if you're listening to us you probably do or have most of what you use is either the browser or a web app uh, but they're moving towards progressive web apps which gives developers a lot more flexibility as far as I, I go to a website on a regular basis I want that website in a web, in an application form right. I now have the capability to install it as a web app. Right. Uh, and Ro- Robbie had actually written up earlier this week about the web apps going away for desktop and probably has some, some thoughts on what direction that's going. Yeah. Uh, the idea is here that you know Google's actually doing something, and it's funny, in the middle of the whole net neutrality shenanigans that's going on right now, uh, in the middle of all that, you know, Google's doing something really positive for the web in general. Um, and, and so by saying, hey, we're going to move away from Chrome web apps to just progressive web apps in general, and that they're not just kind of saying that, they're, they're actively doing things that are pushing developers in that direction. Um, and so, you know, the basic difference is a Chrome web app would be something that would only run if you had Chrome installed. A progressive web app would run in Firefox or Internet, not an Internet Explorer. <laughs> What am I talking about? Sorry. <laughs> uh, it would, but it would run in Edge. It would run in Safari. You know, So a modern browser, Opera, uh, could run a progressive web app. Now, they're all going to handle the way that you deal with them in different ways. But in general, the, the idea is that you have a service and you want to be able to deliver it via the web. When, and that really breaks down to just, can you get there via URL? And you know that's what a progressive web app does. So there's nothing to install. There's nothing to to download and and, and put on your local device. It's all a web-based uh, scenario. And so um, Google pushing developers in that direction is is a really awesome thing because it's not pushing them necessarily towards Chrome. They don't mm-hmm. have to write things in Chrome. And so it's not serving themselves. They're serving the web in general here. And so I'm you know as silly as it sounds like I feel proud of Google for making that step for not just saying it but now shutting things down and moving forward and hopefully they'll provide some clear ways uh, we're, we're seeing signs and we haven't fully researched it yet so I don't want to get into all that but we're seeing signs that they're even going to clear paths um, for people to find progressive web apps so right now if I said hey go find a progressive web app you'd probably look at me a little sideways and be like yeah. I don't know where to go and, and that's the thing there, there are um, websites that exist as progressive web apps they are they, they provide a service that's more than just text on a page or pictures you know they're they require development and a lot of JavaScript and all this kind of stuff. And so um, there needs to be a place where people can find them. And so the Chrome Web Store, if it gets rebranded to just something else, the, the Google Web Store maybe or something like that, um, 
could be a place where all your extensions and your themes for Chrome could live. Great, those all stay there. But then also, you know, just like there is in the Chrome Web Store right now, there are things where you click and there's an app description and all this kind mm -hmm. of stuff. There's no way to install it. You click it and you go to a website. Right. And so the same thing could happen. Like they just keep that whole structure in place, maybe rebrand it and gussy up the, the, the store a little bit. But it becomes a place where people can go and find really cool things that are happening on the web and services that are happening. And things like Allo that we were just talking about and, you know, Hangouts that exists on the web. And if you've ever been to photos.google.com and dealt with your photos there, I mean, that's an awesome web app. It just lives in a web browser. Um, and if they'll make clear inroads to that, then people can utilize it. Developers will be more inclined to actually continue developing in that space. And, and the only other thing they really need to do, like for me personally, if I'm opening up Allo, for instance, I don't want it in a tab. It feels weird. There's all my shortcuts and all that yeah. crap up there. I just want it in a clean window. Well, in Chrome and in Windows, so Chrome OS and Windows both, you can uh, very easily go to your menu, um, I think more tools, something like that, uh, click uh, add to shelf. So yeah, more tools, add to shelf. It'll ask you how to name it. Do you want to open it as a window? Sure. Boom. It's on your shelf. You click it. It opens up just as a window. Uh, they need to make that process clearer and, and easier and, and more straightforward. And we're seeing some signs that they're also working on that. So. Um, probably going to see some things shifting uh, in the web app space. And that's that's an encouraging thing just for the internet as a whole, that Google is on board with that and really pushing developers in that direction. Right. And, I, and that's where I think they're at right now is trying to find a way to package that in a nice, clean manner that users can navigate and recognize because the fact of the matter is we're already using these things on a daily oh, yeah. basis. Sure. Some of you don't even know it. And, and a lot of people with Windows machines and things like that have been saying, well, where are my apps going to go and this and that, whatever. All of those things still exist. It's it's literally, as Robbie said, you're navigating to a URL. It's just a matter of how it's delivered. Sure. So now Google is working on how are these things presented to the user so that they can have a nice, easy way to recognize, okay, I want to make this an app. And whether it's a shortcut on your desktop or on your shelf or whatever it looks like, that's what they're in the process of working on right now because the progressive web apps are there. I mean, they're, they're there, they're mm -hmm. functional. If you have a website, you can turn it into a progressive web app. Yeah, and I mean, other other really cool web-type things that, that Google is working on. We, we've uh, uh, wrote a great article about this and seen some really cool things about um, remote desktop for web now. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's prime example, exactly right? I mean, <laughs> and, and this one doesn't need much explanation, but if you've ever used Chrome Remote Desktop, it's a fantastic remote desktop solution. It's always been my go-to when when I needed to tell somebody, "Hey, you need a remote. You need to remote into something," uh, and and most of it hasn't changed except for the fact that uh, you can remote in from a Chromebook to another Chromebook in the as far as support goes, and you don't have to install anything. You go to uh, remote desktop.google.com, I think is what it was. So, yeah. It's in beta, so it's it's coming mm -hmm. along, but it, you don't download anything. Right. You just go there, the other person goes there, and they give you a number, and boom, you're in there like controlling. The, I was controlling the Pixelbook with the Samsung the exactly. other day. Yeah. Um, and so for Windows and Mac users, there's a little download for them because you could fully remote into those because obviously you wouldn't want to necessarily do that with a Chromebook. There's no point in that. But right. All that to say, uh, it's coming to the web, and, and that's a cool thing because, again, it's Google not just saying that progressive web apps are important. It's Google showing that they're yeah, important, sure. that they're possible, and that they, they can be done well. Yeah, and, and, you know, that kind of remote desktop, um, some of that kind of support-oriented stuff that we're seeing, you know, that kind of ties into my next thing here, which is um, uh, Manage Chrome having a bit of an issue 
um, but apparently there's a fix there, right? So yeah. yeah, and it was it was in a really narrow window, but it apparently affected a lot of people. And by now, by now, most users have probably fixed the issue already. What had happened was back in uh, the first week of December, any managed device that had um, certain policies in place through the admin console that forced them to connect to the organization's password-protected Wi-Fi, they were borked, essentially. Mm -hmm. they, they could not connect to the Wi-Fi. The fix was simple, and, and we have an article on this with the steps on how to fix it and, and then a link to the Google support page. Fixing it just meant connecting the device, whether it be a Chromebook or a managed Windows device using Chrome. They just needed to connect to the internet so the policy could refresh mm -hmm. and it would work again. Well, the problem is they can't connect to the right. internet because the policy was broken. <laughs> and it happened, like yeah. I said, very small window. I think it was December 5th, like 10 a.m. to noon, like a two-hour window if those devices were online, which for schools, most of those devices were probably online. Uh, <laughs> But essentially, it just required admins to either create an open network with no password uh, or manually re-enter the passwords or use a mobile hotspot. Somehow get your devices connected to an internet connection, give them a few minutes to refresh the policies, and then reconnect to the uh, organizational network. So has, that been, has it been solved now? Is yeah. That like, it's completely cool yeah, now? Yeah, it's completely fixed. Uh, uh, we've, I've seen a few people. We got a we got a weird spike. There was another managed Chromebook issue a few a couple of months back, and we had a weird spike in traffic on that article. Uh, probably people looking for a fix to this problem. So it looks like it's cooled down. Google, cool. Google fixed the problem immediately. It was just a matter of getting that fix to the users. Sure. Gotcha. So yeah. if you happen to be in an organization who's having some connectivity issues, that might be your problem. And if you haven't found the answer, check out the article on the site. It's got it's got the steps on how to do that. So cool. Um, switching gears here a little bit, guys. Let's talk about a couple hardware things. Um, we, I, I know we've got a lot to talk about here, so we're kind of we're kind of <laughs> bouncing around here. But I'll, I'll kind of package a couple of these hardware things here. Um, so uh, trackpad, pinch, and zoom. Mm -hmm. So um, I know you all wrote, wrote a great article about this, but explain a little bit about what, what we've got. It doesn't work on this Chromebook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's funny how we, we came across it. I, I literally looked over and Gabe was trying to pinch zoom on the Acer C771, which we're reviewing. And he's like, ah, oh, it was working the other day and I don't know what's going on. It stopped working. And I was like, what are you talking about? It's not working. Pinch zoom. It's like, pinch zoom has never worked on the trackpad. Because I, I wanted that to be a thing for a while. I know it hasn't worked. He's like, it was working for me yesterday. And so come to find out he was using the Pixelbook the day before. And so this this feature is now live on the Pixelbook and the Samsung Chromebook Pro and Plus. Yeah. Uh, I told you, we have a lot of Chromebooks around yeah. here, okay? <laughs> it, gets, it gets confusing sometimes. But uh, So for those users, and eventually, I don't know. See, like there was that, that new driver update, right? The the Google Centroiding. Yeah, the Centroiding. So I don't know that every device will be able to get this. Um, I don't know if it has to do with that yeah, or not. Yeah. We don't know. Um, but we do know that those three <laughs> devices have this. And basically what it is is just like you would pinch zoom the screen, you pinch zoom on the trackpad and it, Same thing. it yeah. zooms in and out. Uh, and it's just nice if you're browsing through something and the, the text is small. I know it sounds ridiculous that instead of reaching up to touch the screen, but your hands are already on the trackpad to be able to zoom in, in real quick and zoom it back out. It's a cool feature to have. It was yeah, literally a pot of gold for me because I'm constantly reading through the Chromium repositories and the text is just slightly mm -hmm. smaller than I'm comfortable with when you're reading lines and lines and lines of code. 
but I don't like zooming my screen because then I have to zoom it back when I'm done and yeah, this and sure, whatever. Sure. So pinch it to okay. zoom out and zoom back in. It was incredible. And now that I'm on a different device, it's frustrating <laughs> as all get out. <laughs> I want it back. <laughs> uh, well, well, speaking of other hardware stuff, um, we've uh, got a couple things here to talk about um, with SD cards uh, and Chromebooks. Um, what, what do we know, guys? I mean, uh, yeah, specifically, it, we've seen a lot of stuff about um, users wanting to be able to have SD card support in Android apps on Chromebooks. So, you know, to make it clear, Chromebooks and SD cards are fine. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the Android app situation, and it's it's kind of muddled. It needs work. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we, we had an article up uh, just basically saying, yeah, it's there. It works. We've identified a handful of apps, and I didn't search every app. There's millions. Uh, but I found apps where read and write support was fine to the SD card. So saving and opening files was fine. Some of them would save to it, but wouldn't open from it. Some of them would open from it, wouldn't let you. Edit. It was really weird. So it's all over the all over the board. But case in point is, it does work. It does function. Uh, but it seems like, wh- however, the file systems differ between Chrome mm-hmm. OS and Android. Mm-hmm. The developers for Android apps will have to do something to make the SD card readable in their app is what it comes down to. Right, right. Because with your mobile phone, it's Android reading and writing directly to the SD card. With Chrome OS, it's it's back to the containers and sandboxing. Android is leveraging Chrome OS's hardware to do what it does. So everything it does, it has to essentially go through the gatekeeper that is Chrome Mm -hmm. OS. So... Chrome OS developers have to make tweaks for that, and the app developers have right. probably have to make tweaks for that as well. So, yeah. work in progress. Honestly, who knows how long it could be? I mean, yeah, <laughs> I don't know how long it'll be until that's a smooth transition. That, those are those are the parts of all of this that are going to keep slowly getting refined over time. Just buy a Pixel Book with you know tons of storage. Yeah. You don't worry about it. Exactly. Speaking of Pixel Book, <laughs> speaking of Pixel Book, last kind of hardware thing here. Um, we had originally thought the Pixelbook was going to have a fingerprint scanner. Um, obviously, it does not. Um, but maybe we're, we're seeing some some news out there that it the, might be coming. Yeah, it's uh, we. I I, well, I I was a little bit disappointed when we got to San Francisco and it did not have it because I was convinced that it did. It was one of the first uh, um, support commits that we found on Eve Pixelbook that it had a fingerprint sensor and, and likely it does likely if you have you're sitting on a pixel book right now it likely has support for a fingerprint scanner but we were told not really anything clear just that it didn't pan out was uh, mm-hmm. i think is what they said yeah uh, but recently we've seen more activity on the fingerprint scanner and uh, a commit where they're actually testing capturing a fingerprint we're not sure what what the deal is. They, obviously, they're working on it. Uh, I doubt it's the i7 model because if you look at Best Buy and some other sites, it's it, I mean it's sitting on shelves waiting to be sold. So I doubt that it's the i7. It very well could be these enterprise devices that we're looking yeah, at, and that right. that's my guess. That's my gut feeling is that Google Google's got some high end Samsungs and Asus's coming out to enterprise, and that maybe they're. They're putting a fingerprint scanner on a just yeah. a second iteration of a right. pixel book. And, yeah, so, and that's there's a, hundred, a bunch of things that could be the case there. And and I, I lean a little bit more towards that. That you know the <clears throat> pixel books what they have, and it, it's their flagship device. And as Googlers, they're they're going to have access to those to be able to open them up and put new stuff on the board. Sure. If you're going to test with something, 
if you got those around, why wouldn't you be testing it with that? Yeah. So they can get all that stuff worked out so that the OS is ready for fingerprint right. input, and then you know it can ship on other devices that can just take that that code and go, yeah, punch it, and make it work on whatever Samsung or ASUS or whatever else is going to go. So. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's cool stuff, and and you know, it's uh, always progressing, right? So it's good stuff. Um, but guys, you know, since it is the holiday season, um, I did want to mention uh, we saw a deal um, for a hundred dollars off the Acer fifteen. Mm-hmm. Is that correct? Where can people find it? Yeah, and it's uh, this device has been really elusive. Uh, it looks like. Best Buy might be kind of an exclusive deal the way the Pentium based. Yeah, we're not uh, seeing it on Amazon, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's on Amazon, but if you can get it, it's third party resellers that have it for 500 bucks, which is right. $100 over. And retail. It's almost like they're buying it on Best yeah, Buy. Yeah, they're buying them and reselling or directly from Acer because right now the only two official places to buy it are Acer and Best Buy. And the Chromebook commercials that you've mm-hmm. probably seen on television, if you see the ones with the Pro, or the Pixel Book, they say get it at the Google Store, Amazon, Best Buy. Right. The Acer 15 just says Best Buy. Best Buy. So I'm thinking it's like the ASUS uh, C302 with the Pentium. It's kind of a Best Buy exclusive. Yeah, it's thing. Best Buy's thing. I guess. Yeah, but anyways, it's a $399 device, and in my opinion, you know, Robbie's still still uh, uh, using it as a dry, daily driver and going to have a review out soon, but. I think it's worth three hundred and ninety nine dollars. I, I yeah, really do. It's, it's I mean it's right there. Three fifty yeah. would probably be the, the sweet spot, but it's worth three hundred and ninety nine dollars, especially if you need a larger device. Mm-hmm. Best Buy has it for two hundred and ninety nine dollars, which makes it a no brainer. I mean, like yeah, literally absolutely. I'm thinking about going and buying one. But they're also throwing in a Google Home. Not yeah. the mini, mm-hmm. yeah, a full size Google Home. So Retail wise, you're talking all five hundred and thirty dollars worth of right. stuff for three hundred bucks. Yeah, it's a killer deal. And yeah. as of as of recording this podcast, it's still out there. Yeah. It's still so a thing. Online so. and if they happen to have one in stores, I, I our Best Buy doesn't. If yours does, then God bless you for being near a nice Best Buy. But <laughs> This week's podcast was recorded with the FiFine Technologies USB microphone. This is a nice little compact microphone uh, that we're really excited about. We're actually going to be taking this with us um, out to Las Vegas for CES to um, do some recordings out there. Um, great little device that they were uh, kind enough to send to us. Just wanted to give them a shout out here. You can find them on Amazon, FiFine Technologies. You can find show notes over at chromeunbox.com forward slash podcast along with tons of other info covered in this episode. Additionally, you can find us online on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Google Plus by searching at Chrome Unboxed. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.